Off the ball. Cristiano Ronaldo was offered to numerous clubs in the summer and no deal could have been done. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. We do need to talk about the Man United game to kick things off. 3-2 win at Mania last night. Um, Harry Malassia was the uh, only thought I could have on the back. It was the opening goal. It was like a carbon copy uh, of what Maguire had done last weekend. Sancho didn't co- co- cover himself in glory for the goal either. But uh, yeah, Malassia just, just kick it out of play or pass it mm. quickly and get rid of it. It was a laughing stock the first goal and half time at 1-0 down. You're thinking this is, I mean, this is a team fourth in the Cypriot League. Uh, you know, these are world beaters and uh, you're seeing Neil Lennon on the touchline obviously delighted at half time I just the performance wasn't good but then for once and Daniel Harris made this point on Twitter last night the, the thing about Ten Hag is there are there are consequences now for your bad performances like you kind of didn't get that vibe under Solskjaer or Rangnick he was sticking with the same kind of personnel mm. all of a sudden Ten Hag drops people brings them back in Martial, Shaw and Rashford were brilliant off the bench mm. um, and they were the difference United probably wouldn't have won the game only for Rashford especially Martial playing the way they did when they were sprung from the bench um, the, Ra- uh, the Rashford goal was like just insane quality and yeah, like yeah. They, he obviously has the ability to do that every now and then United have the ability to do that every now and then in a way that makes you think geez, if they could like tie that together I, it's the greatest hypothetical of all time if they could just play like that more they'd be better but they'd have it in them mm. it's too intermittent isn't it and I know yeah. Colm you had some thoughts on Cristiano yeah, well, Ronaldo the first, well, yeah definitely Ronaldo at the end was ridiculous but even the Rashford goal the first one Fernandez's ball over the top is great but Rashford actually made a mess of it because he cut back in yeah. and the defender got a leg to it so if the defender had a bit more composure he would have retained possession and the attack would have ended and it would have been a spurn chance by Rashford but his quality is such that if you literally give him a second chance he will finish it's great mm. it was a great finish and he needs that uh, Martial has been brilliant since he came back yeah. like those two games in a row he's been excellent that finish was fantastic and we were talking in the group like at half time the three of us were saying geez we might have to go all in on United here tomorrow but I had a feeling that they'd come back but then no, like right, saying, right at the end saying. then when the, the second goal like, I was like this could end three all yeah. but what really got me was, the, was Cristiano Ronaldo at the end and the treatment of him by his teammates so was it his testimonial like this is it was insane like Rashford was true one on one and it was genuinely a better angle for him to try and finish for it for a hat-trick as well for a hat-trick and he squares it to Ronaldo because they're seemingly also desperate for Ronaldo to score so he'll be happy around the place and the pass was poor but Ronaldo stopped dead didn't slide like we're seeing Erling Haaland do for a lot of his goals at the moment and it must absolutely kill Ronaldo first of all that he didn't score and secondly, that you have someone like Haaland who's coming around, who's breaking all records no. and making even him seem human in his heyday at the moment. Um, and then, like, for the final goal for Rashford's second and United's third, I mean, that was 100% a shot by Ronaldo, which went across the box and Rashford tapped in. And you could see Ronaldo's body language. It's like, oh. Yeah, then he started. When it went in, and they went three-one up. He was like, "Oh!" And he stood where he was, perfectly still. And Rashford had to go to him, even though Rashford scored. To be fair, he like to be fair to Ronaldo, he did make the interception further up the pitch that led to that. Ronaldo played well. He did um, make an interception. I think in the lead into he set up. uh, He obviously set that goal up. He made a brilliant run for Rashford's first goal. He obviously had that thing where he hits the post, and then he's like. The but there, if you if you were to watch football for the first time last, last night last night and hear all about Cristiano Ronaldo and then see him play, you'd be like, Jesus, he's a fairly flawed player. Like, because they gave him the ball at one stage, I think it was either Rashford or Martial. It was a crisp pass into the box on the left hand side of the box, and if he just took a touch and hit with his left, it was probably going to be a goal. But he tried to cut back in and was very easily dispossessed. There was another chance then when Rashford on the left flank 
brilliantly skinned the fullback. It was like his turn of pace is exceptional. And a bit of composure stopped, played the ball inside to Ronaldo, who had it in the centre of the pitch about 35 yards out. If he had looked up, he would have seen an overlap on his right. Yeah. But he, he drove down the left. Now, he caught in and took a shot with his right foot and it just went wide. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that is exactly, that encapsulates the exact problem with Ronaldo is that, like, I thought he played quite well at moments. I thought he was very poor at other moments. But the problem is the impact that he has on those around him, particularly in the final third. They just his presence is so strong that they feel like they have to alter their game to accommodate him. Mm. For the game where Ten Hag said, oh, I didn't want to bring on Ronaldo because it was just a like, you know, disrespect yeah. to his career, that he brought on Martial instead? Who did he bring yeah, on? Yeah, against City, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. What, like, I didn't hear anybody talking about what a disrespect it was to say that after oh, the game to Martial. Martial, yeah. Martial is expendable by his reputation. Oh. He spent second half of last season alone to Sevilla. Like, oh, it doesn't matter what we do to you just need excuses Ten Hag in order, like, to, for not bringing Ronaldo onto the pitch I, Ronaldo did look exasperated like the hands the hands in the air every time he missed a chance and he was like, yeah. why, aren't, why aren't these shots going in but he, he did play well though overall I thought he made a huge impact in the game like, but I thought he was very inconsistent with his play overall but th- there was another moment as well where Delo rounded the goalkeeper yeah. it, was actually quite, it was actually a very good play by Delo because he composed himself and passed it into him but it was it, I'm you know, sure because it was Ronaldo in the middle I've got to pass this yeah. to him and he met him quite fast though I thought maybe yeah, I know, and again he did well with his instincts but I'm just saying like we talked about the great Cristiano Ronaldo but like we should talk about I think we talk about some of his shortcomings like he's an amazing goal scorer and never has a player changed more in the history of football from a tricky winger who had yeah. Who had all the skills in the world, but his final product was questioned to the exact opposite now. But I think a lot of his game, he's quite short on compared to his peers. And I think you could see that last night. But it's more for me the impact that he has on his fellow forwards. Mm. And that's actually the reason why I think Ten Hag is right to leave him out as much as possible mm. and yeah. move on. I was, Shane, I have to say, struck by the um, situation at Worcester, obviously, mm. um, over the last week and um, you know the fallout from that and it being the latest stepping stone in... The first place I went to was like, yet again, here we are, failed by sports administration. And there was a, it wasn't alone this week, there was a few things, but it was just this constant beat of a conversation that we've had before and that we should go back to every now and then to sense check ourselves against. But um, I would definitely hold the view that sport shouldn't be allowed to run itself. Like, it's just proven time and time again at really high profile level that it's just not up to the task or... Better again, it's proven maybe that there are people at all levels of sport here, here and across the world who are just so craven so as to use it to mischievously strip you of your money or to feather their own power base or to just cheat the game, as has been happening in some areas that you would never have expected it between Irish dancing or chess even over the last couple of weeks. It does, in my view, absolutely. And the further, the more evidence we see of this, the closer I believe we should get to this, which would be a watchdog or some sort of an auditor or somebody that is seen to be wider than white who can hold sport to account at the highest level. A UN for sport, something like that, I think. Uh, an ultimate arbiter for stuff like, is it okay for the Saudi state to buy a Premier League club? We can't decide that ourselves because our interests are too vested. We'll outsource that to somebody else. And the same for LiveGov. Is it okay for this thing to set up or is it not okay? And let's have a body in place that can decide that. Should a fighter who's just found to have been doped be allowed to fight anyway? Send that over, because boxing can't, has proven it's not able to make that decision itself. Mm -hmm. Send that over to the arbiter. Is this top-level English club in rugby being run appropriately or is it a shambles that's headed for financial ruin? We've proven we can't, we can't be the arbiter of that. We can't decide that. We're not able to audit them. 
send that decision over there, outsource it. Has this World Cup bid process been run clean and fair? Is this guy who's running his National Football Association like his own personal Disneyland fit for purpose? Is it okay that a, a global drug cartel can find themselves basically running a sport? And on and on we go. And the scope of it doesn't uh, need to be defined now. It can be debated and defined over the next while um, as we would work to something like that. And, like, look, there are so many good people involved in sport and the running of sport and volunteers. But sport itself has just been, uh, has proven time and time again that it cannot be trusted to govern itself. And every sports club and association, excluding all, because it's the next natural step after that, that's grand. How do you fund that? I would exclude any amateur sports or any amateur associations or any non-profit making club or associations. And just, you're saying to all profit-making clubs and associations, federations, etc., X percentage of the money you're making is going in over here to fund this, and that's just the way it works. And governments would need to get together um, to make this happen, but I believe I believe it has to happen mm. at some point. Yeah, all very fair points. Um, and it, it's kind of, it's sickening in that, if, if you talk, look 10 years ago even, maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but it feels like most sports we cover on Off the Ball, and we cover a lot of them, there have been negative stories around them and, and it feels like every week we have maybe at least one negative story about, about sports. We've had obviously the Worcester story as you mentioned. Qatar is not going to go away anytime soon over the next few months. Live Golf, you touched on as well, Daniel Kinnahan's hands all over boxing. Like it, it feels like you can't you can't really enjoy I think it was a year ago today almost I think it was to the day actually when, when the Saudis took over Newcastle. And like it, these stories go away. Like we even we mentioned it in the show yesterday morning, like we're all happy days talking about Erling Haaland and what he's brought to Man City but we've done, the sports washing has worked because we, we've stopped talking about cities where they get their money and it um, should include stuff like that and it should include stuff like the way the Glazers are running Man United yeah. and just like let that be out there and let somebody because it's it's unfair to ask the people who are running the thing mm. who can't separate their need for the thing to succeed from what's going on at the club yeah. and like if you look at Worcester obviously as an example that most people here does the people really care here they don't it's a totally different system it's there's some sympathy for it and it comes across the radar in a 24 48 hour news cycle and on we go but I just think there's just stuff like that and like I know you use the term a negative and I would say that probably you're probably representing the vast majority of people who look at it that way but for me it misrepresents the reality of the situation because it's suggested as an outlier and yeah. it's just not. It's this is this is just commonplace. There we go, yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's it's it also highlights the Worcester stuff, especially like you're hearing in the news in the last twenty four hours or so, Worcester having to sell the land around six ways and mm. players are obviously being allowed to leave the club now and y- yeah, you're right in that the new cycle of Worcester and Wasps as, as well will 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 depart. But even I think back to when Monon United went under and the negativity that brings around the local area and the uh, yeah the word depression it, it's a, it is a depression people who have gone to football matches or rugby matches like the, the Worcester Warriors rugby fans will be in a bad place at the minute um, and people might say sport doesn't matter and in the grand scheme of things you'd be right to say that but so many people have got some great great moments and their life nearly revolves around those mm. moments at Worcester so I can feel for the fans you feel for the players as well who've been out of pocket for four or five months probably and put, they'll go on and get get new clubs but it's the fans at the end of the day that, mm. and Steve Diamond I know the the um, ch- director of rugby at, at Worcester has come out uh, quite clearly on Twitter mm. uh, very pointed tweets towards the owners and it's all going to come out in the wash uh, how and why Worcester went under um, and all these um, all these things like it, it would make you sick, sick to the stomach and it's going to come out eventually mm. but 
yeah, that that's that's who you you feel for is people, uh, the people involved in the club, the people you know, the tea ladies who've been there for decades, the the fans who have followed the team for for so long, and for for a team like that to go under because of mismanagement, um, and and the truth telling needs to start now, and and yeah. Worcester is a little bit removed from us over here but the English Premiership as a whole suffers because of it Uh, and rugby in this hemisphere will suffer because of it uh, indirectly but yeah it leads into everything we talk about because I know you were talking about the Gary Neville stuff as well in Qatar and and we were kind of talking on the show all week about how how do we cover the negativity in Qatar because as Michael Denny said during the week on on the evening show with Joe it will get to a point where you're just watching, you know, Netherlands against Ecuador or whoever, or England against Iran, and you're you're talking about the football match. And like, are we taking part in sports sports washing by not constantly bringing up the the human rights abuses and and the situation in Qatar? I don't know what the best way to do it is. Like, I know Gary Neville's trying to get out there, get ahead of it, and do his little piece. Um, well, I've wa- I have to say I've watched half of the documentary. I haven't had time to watch it all. I will yeah. watch the rest of it later on today. And he does say, like, you know, watch the documentary before you make up your mind. And I, he does address all the issues that he should be addressing around LGBT rights and women's rights. It feels very. It felt to me watching it as if it was a bit one dimensional. I was waiting for the second question when he was talking to people about the impact of that stuff. I was waiting to dig into it a bit deeper. I was waiting for him to talk about some of the atrocities that didn't, from what I've seen so far, materialize. And like, look, Mark Dunning here has been in touch today. Something like a court of arbitration for sport might work and maybe it's very legalistic and obviously they're absolutely like clearly you need to have that aspect of it but it can't either be hamstrung by months and months and years and years of of delay about stuff it does need to have different levels of response depending on something like the Ben Eubank fight this weekend obviously it needs to be able to turn that around pretty quickly so look at I don't know we'll see somebody Shane in touch here another Shane on YouTube says as a Cavaman I echo what Shane is saying more people I know uh, would prefer Munster as their second team no real affiliation to Ulster rugby at all uh, seems to be the general tone of um, contact we've got coming in. And if you've uh, got a view on it, you're from that area, please do uh, fire that into us. There are so many idiots out there, so many spoofers. There's a lot of horse. <laughs> I think he's a total spoofer. What do you mean, a spoofer? He's a bullshit. Ah, no, I'm a, come on, don't, don't be, no, I'm not. Yes. No. The uh, Herald we're going to start with, and uh, it's the same story in The Independent. Uh, it's a story, the uh, picture from the game last night of Shamrock Rovers there. And by the way, I did notice that their jersey last night was absolutely class. Yeah, slick. Cracker, isn't it? Very slick. I like the, the sleeves. The really kind of nice. Bit of a throwback sort of a thing. Yeah. Uh, Boylan is back in Meath Camp is the headline from Donica Boyle here, and it's carried across a lot of the other papers as well. Uh, O'Rourke standing down from teaching role to focus on royal task. So he's packed in his job after 42 years. Uh, at St Pat's College he's been principal obviously for the last number of years uh, St Pat's in Avon and uh, he's gone over to Sean Boylan and he said listen Sean um, I don't know really what I have in mind for you but it's kind of been outrageous that you have been involved over the last number of years whatever you want to do if you want to come in and give the speech before the first league game it's all yours if you want to dip in once a week dip in once a month come and join us uh, you'd be mad not to get him involved isn't it great you'd be mad not to get him like I remember <clears throat> we had an event up in uh, Mona and Harps for, for our local club where we had a few different speakers uh, it was a, a fundraising night and Sean was up and David Brady was up and there was a number Sean Cavanaugh was there and like when when, when Sean Boylan spoke 
I mean, there, you can hear a pin drop in the room. We have a clip doing the rounds at the minute. We're trying to get people to sign up to uh, get pre notice for events. And there's a clip of him at a show, and he's talking about actually the night that uh, Colm O'Rourke, funnily enough, and uh, Lines and a few of the other players called around to his gaff. Yes. When things haven't gone yeah, so well, yeah. and they knocked on the door, the mother sent them up to the house and said, You lads go up there and sort it out. And one of them, might have been Lines, said to him, You put your shyness in your back pocket. Do you know that clip? Yes. And yeah, uh, yeah. it's a brilliant, in the context of what's going on at the minute, it's a brilliant clip. But uh, so there's that aspect to it. But Colm O'Rourke is putting his money where his mouth is, literally, by saying, I can't do this job while I'm doing that job. Now, he's probably, actually, I'm not exactly sure what age he is, but he strikes me as the sort of fellow who's probably close enough to retirement age anyway. anyway. Yeah. So he maybe brought that a couple of forward, a couple, uh, couple of years to give this his best shot and, uh, like, more luck to him. I don't think anyone could be a intercounty manager while being principal of a, of a school. Uh, it's just it, nowadays it's it's, it's a full time job yeah. job you know and and uh, he'd, he'd obviously have until the league starts to to do the teaching roles but um, yeah I think me fans will be quite quite happy to see Colm Murray giving full focus to that and even more happy to see Sean Boyle in the mix as well I mean <clears throat> me the second best team in I was they're probably the fourth best Shen, but I mean fourth best sorry Adrian yeah of course Westmeath above them uh, in your books Kildare second. <coughs> this is our I didn't say Kildare, I, I'm not sure Kildare that, I, I, maybe I wandered into that earlier on I'm not sure Kildare second we'll see, we'll see. GA helped Dublin to dominate says O'Neill this is a story by Frank Roach here and Donald O'Neill one of those that uh, set up the GPA saying that uh, the GA does not do enough to lift standards uh, among the weaker counties and that's obviously despite the introduction of the Talton Cup so uh, interesting stuff there this is the Irish Daily Mirror Rashford sets uh, the benchmark Super Sub Marcus gets nervy Reds out of jail in Cyprus and uh, pretty disconsolate looking Shamrock Rovers at the top of the paper there as well the sun this morning mould 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 damage um, Bradley prioritise home safety uh, this is the 3-0 defeat last night obviously other reaction there to the European action last night uh, I'll make you pay Chris Vow as Ben drug test uh, KO's bout and our Vera uh, best is needed uh, this is about the game on Tuesday night. Uh, that is that. The star, uh, Rash and Grab, obviously on the match last night. Eubank Jr. to school, Ben later, he says. Uh, the uh, Irish Daily Mirror this morning, 900 grand a week revealed Hallands mammoth city pay thanks to hefty bonuses. So he's on sort of, some sort of a basic pay that's roughly in line with everybody else. And then the bonuses, which don't even include the mountains of goals that he's scoring, bring him up to almost... Uh, basically, he's earning 45 million a year. Reasonably rich man. Re- at 22 years of age. You've got to keep your head on your shoulders and not uh, get too carried away with the money. Although he's still eating his dad's lasagnas before the, ma- the home matches. I know... Alf Inga has been cooking oh, really? lasagna What's before so every. About that? I don't know. I think before every single home game, he cooks him a, a lasagna. Um, Erling put a po- photo up of his lasagna before the, the Copenhagen game the other night. That is the trick, I think. The I think you're going to have kids now before matches hearing Haaland eats lasagna. Yeah. I think lasagna sales are going to go through the roof. Yeah. And why wouldn't it? I mean, <laughs> if it works for him. Yeah, that's that's definitely the conclusion. Yeah, eat yeah. lasagna. And it's not his innate natural talent. Uh, Pow, we need best game ever to advance. Uh, that's a report there from Mark Gallagher on the Scotland 1 Australian nil result last night and looking ahead, obviously, to next week as well. Just a couple more here. The examiner first uh, being straight about it. Duncan Casey on the anxieties uh, raised by Rugby Dementia documentary and plenty more inside as well. And the last one uh, for now is the Irish Times, which is uh, disappointed Alan Manis and uh, fellow Shamrock Rovers players in uh, Mulder last night after the loss. Uh, impressive Arsenal attained their season and Rashford gets uh, United out of jail that is the Irish time for you this morning that is the sports pages there are so many idiots out there so many spoofers there's a lot of horse 
I think he's a total spoofer. What do you mean a spoofer? He's a bullshit. Ah, no, I haven't. Come on, don't, don't be... No, I'm not yes. No. Now it's quarter to nine and Kathleen is with us so we're going to talk some football. First of all, let's get the uh, innermost thoughts of Vera Powell after the Scotland win over Austria last night confirming we would play them at Hampden Park on Tuesday night. Yeah, Scotland was by far the better team and that was a bit surprisingly because uh, we've seen Austria playing against the very, very top te- teams um, magnificent games um, but tonight um, it was all over, uh, all over the pitch for Scotland. Is it a good thing for us that it went to extra time for, the, for, for those two teams? Yeah, of course. And they have played under 20 minutes, um, but there's four rest days, so physically they will be, uh, they will be ready. Um, but yeah, the emotions, we need to see how they handle that. Uh, on the other hand, they have played home now. They don't travel. They stay there. Um, they have the, the advantage of the perception of Hamden Park. So, um, yeah, we, we need to play our best game ever. Nothing has changed in that. Yeah, Tuesday night, Hampden Park, Republic of Ireland. Vera Powell's Republic of Ireland up against Gatlin. Kathleen, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. The goal that won it in the end uh, was a corner kick. It was... Um, the first period of extra of extra time. Two minutes into it. Two yeah. minutes into it, and uh, it was a corner kick. It dropped in a place uh, that it really shouldn't have been dropping, and you know, very close to the um, too close to the Austria goal to not have been dealt with in a way that like a Louis Quinn or somebody else. And look at who knows after that number of minutes of football, everybody's knackered, and you don't have the same uh, enthusiasm or energy to get to the ball. But it definitely looked like a goal that Austria are kicking themselves about this morning. I think so, and it was kind of symptomatic of the game as well like it was absolutely lashing at Hampton Park it was just miserable football the grass was kind of long every single shot that both teams put in just was quite poor the players you expected to play well didn't really get a foothold in the game you know the likes of Caroline Weir I know we were talking about Bia as well before the start of uh, the show they managed, like Scotland managed to handle Austria quite well um, and probably played to their strengths in the fact that it was a bit of a dirty night for football. But mm. I think that goal is the exact sort of one that's probably going to win it on Tuesday. I see us going toe-to-toe with a team like Scotland. I don't think either side is going to run away with it. I, I certainly hope Scotland aren't going to run away with it. Um, but I think it will be that sort of like free kick corner, set piece, set up and someone just gets ahead on the end of it and gets it into the net um, That was Vera Powell by the way speaking to FAI TV um, last night after that game. No fear for us was how Sue Ronan put it when she was talking to Nathan on the show last night. It was just interesting. Obviously she'd been keeping an eye on events and um, I know obviously when the draw was made people were like oh well Scotland would be the ideal draw here and there's the Celtic rivalry and they're a bit home, closer to home and we might get a few fans over and all that sort of stuff I, the, the playoff the evidence of the 90 plus minutes obviously then sort of maybe tailors your view slightly after that because after they beat Austria then at that point you're kind of like well is that, are they, maybe we would have played the worst team um, but specifically you mentioned earlier on obviously in relation to um, Nicole Bia and one of the better Austrian players who Scotland really managed to keep quiet on the night and was brought off before the end of normal time so it may, it sent me straight to thinking if that's how they can deal really efficiently with one of Austria's best players what have we got in store? Well, I think the thing about the Scotland team at the moment and like talking to Emma Byrne about it at the start of the week they're in a really good place like they obviously had the disappointment much like ourselves of not making it to the Euros um, but they're injury free 
at the moment. I haven't heard anything since last night that anyone is coming in with any injuries. They're mentally in a really good space. Physically, they're in a really good space. A lot of their top players, you know, you have Caroline Weir putting in bangers over in Real Madrid. Every single week, you have the likes of Aaron Cuthbert, who's at Chelsea, also doing really, really well. They were always going to be in a good spot. I think the reason why I would have preferred them to Austria is that I do think we know their players a little bit better. You know, a lot of them would play in the WSL. They're more familiar to us than the Austrians. Uh, I think the style of play is a bit more similar to Ireland. You know, much like ourselves, they have that kind of small country football mentality where they know how to... They rely on set pieces. They rely on those kind of grab moments where you grab the goal and then you defend for your life. So I think that's why I wanted to play them more than Austria. Austria would... I watched them a couple of times during the Euros and in some of the warm-up games before as well. And when they want, they can play really nice football. They can play really nice one-touch football. It wasn't really happening last night because of the length of the grass and the rain. But I feel like we would have struggled with them a bit more than we would have Scotland. It's yeah. It's when you mentioned no injuries for Scotland, you, you still think to Kim Little retiring and and maybe how things could have been different. And would she have considered if she'd known how Scotland were going to progress? Would she have considered coming out of retirement? Obviously, captaining Arsenal in the WSL, so a player they could maybe do with. But the players you mentioned there, like Cuthbert and Weir specifically, how do we nullify them? Because they, they even with Sue Ronan last night, they seem to be the two names that were cropping up quite often. I think. It's probably the same question they're asking themselves, like how do we nullify Katie McCabe and Denise O'Sullivan? You know, they are almost like the equivalents for Scotland. Yeah, I think what they did, re- what Austria did really well last night with Caroline Weir is like she's one of the best midfielders out there, and when she gets onto the edge of the box, she's really dangerous in terms of sending in those rockets. So they just really effectively marked her out of the game. Um, it, they had two players on her at various different times, and that is a big commitment because it obviously leaves you with a lot of space, but I think it probably is worth it. Someone like Erin Cusworth, I mean, her and Katie McCabe have had so many battles in the WSL, and generally they're kicking lumps out of each other mm. whenever Chelsea and Arsenal meet, so she'll definitely be a good person to know how to handle Cuthbert. I think the thing with her is she's so dynamic. She can play literally any position and do it very very well so it'll be making sure that we don't let her have the space that she needs to make those runs Um, and yeah it's going to be difficult especially with the injuries we have I'm not all that optimistic about a win really don't say it, Kathleen. Don't say it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it is just me trying to like set myself up so that I don't get yeah. too disappointed as well. Because like because of the injuries, is that the? I think because of the injuries, like mentally, I know the squad is in a good place, and I think it it is one of the better opportunities we've had. And I'm not. God, I'm absolutely setting myself oh. up to curse us now. I'm not expecting us to make the stupid mistakes that we have in the past. Um, I think like we have moved on from that. But I just don't know with the injuries that we have. I mean, they're all starting players. They're all people that are very good. Jessu, before she got that knee injury, was really on the up and a really exciting player for us. 
you know. <laughs> I reach a little John had started to come into the team and be a regular starter and make her stamp in it, and there was the whole going home to Scotland thing and all that stuff. Yeah, it's just, it, some of that should have been written in the stars. But stop, like, no at least it's stop not, it, Stop it. At least it's not Katie and Denise. Is that the? Can we agree on that? At least. That yeah. Is, well, like that would be. That <laughs> touch would wood. I'm literally going to hug the desk yeah. as you say that. That would, something. Fa- that would feel to me to be a much. You know, it's like hopefully I think we can still get through this. Because we still have those two, and like yeah, who knows. and even for them as well, like this is such a, a big moment for them. You know, they they've worked for this for so long, and they deserve it so much. I actually, I don't think I've ever felt nervous for a qualifier in this way. Maybe around the end of the Euros, but this just feels different after all that heartbreak. You'd like to see Denise O'Sullivan pick up the ball in the right positions. Like that was an interesting thing Sue mentioned last night that, that maybe Jamie Finn or, or Lily Ag or someone like that could take up the number six role and, and allow Denise to, to move for, further forward. Probably too close to the game for Vera Pau to change anything drastically but it would be nice to see Denise in a threatening position on the pitch. Yeah it'll be interesting to see how she does set up because for the last few games she did go a little bit more attacking than we're used to seeing her um, set up the play but I wonder with the injuries that we have is she just going to go full throttle defensive and a bit like I was saying earlier hope for that set piece that comes along where you know she's able to get a Louise Quinn header or whatever it might be or a Katie McCabe free kick and rely on that to get us through I just don't have a lot of faith that Vera is going to set us up for an entirely attacking display I think you know she'll let Denise get her space and Denise will do what she always does which is no matter what position she plays in she's always on the ball she's always running like kilometres around everyone else Um, but I think her and Katie are obviously going to be key but Scotland are going to know that so we are going to need a good performance from someone that maybe wouldn't be expected to be the standout player the person of the match um, because I mean that's what happened with Scotland last night you know it wasn't Aaron Cuthbert took the set piece but it wasn't one of their most recognisable names you know it was a substitute Abby Harrison that came on and scored so I think we're going to need uh, another Lily Ag moment or something yeah. to see us through Just finally for me Kathleen like, like getting the, the game on terrestrial television looks I don't know if unlikely is the word I know RTE have contracts with the Champions League so it would be nice to see this game in the public eye as it should be. Definitely. Um, I mean, this is one of the biggest moments for Irish football. I know it's a convoluted playoff process and we're not guaranteed, even if we win, we're not guaranteed an actual spot at the World Cup. But <coughs> it is really hard to underestimate or underemphasize how massive it will be if we do qualify on Tuesday and how massive next summer will be in terms of Irish sport. And I would love to see, whether it's RT, whether it's Virgin, whether it's TG Cahir, like someone in the country picking up this game, showing it on like main live TV. Like even just the fact that if pubs want to show it, like this is the sort of match you should be going to sit in a pub with your mates mm. with a pint or sitting at home in front of the TV with your kids. Like, telling them this is history in the making this is an Irish team on the edge of going to a World Cup you know Katie McCabe Denise O'Sullivan whoever it might be these are Irish sporting icons so if someone doesn't pick it up and if it isn't on main TV then I think that's a serious moment missed and I think it also shows that we have a long way to go uh, when it comes to making sure we give these things the platform that they deserve and I think that's a fair conversation and maybe uh, if they can't get it on one of the main channels they should just hand it over to Virgin I think that would be like a uh, real public service 
if I can word it that way. And anyway, don't worry about any of that. It'll be fully live on Off the Ball on Tuesday night from 8 o'clock. You'll have a full commentary team bringing you the game from Hamden Park, and that's really all you need to know about it. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.